Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And I have a fantastic guest with me here today. This is Wendy Parmley. Say hello, Wendy. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm glad you're here. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Wendy is an author. How does that sound to you, by the way? Fabulous. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? It took a little while. It took a little while. Well, we were chatting before the show about this process of writing a book. Yeah. What an adventure. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And your book was published in 2014. Yes. So you've got a little bit of track behind you now. Yes. Just about a year ago. From becoming a published author. Yeah. Now you took on a difficult sensitive topic and it's interesting isn't it wendy how the events in our life come together in some kind of a perfect way to create opportunities and from from your book in the about the author section um it says this wendy parmley suffered a disabling bike accident in september 2011 Unable to return to her 20-year nursing career because of the continued effects of her injuries, Wendy began the slow and painful penning of her story. Yeah, And that's what this book is. Let me share the title with people and then they'll know what we're talking about. Hope After Suicide. This is something that has touched you very personally and in a way that has really changed the course of your life in many ways. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes, it is. Wendy, I shared with you, and then I want you to to, to kind of launch into your own story here, but I shared with you before um, that I've I've received a call a total of nine times in the last two years of a suicide that had happened where someone had ended their own life. And these are all people that I know uh, one of those people was a good friend of mine that I, I actually spoke at his funeral. Um, some of my clients, it's happened a lot uh, to people that I know just in the last couple of years. And um, I'm, I'm starting to believe that most people, if not all people, are touched by this in some way or another. Oh, I think you're absolutely you think so? right. I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, my mission is that we can help prevent suicide death Mm -hmm. and also that we can heal broken hearts because Mm -hmm. those hearts can be healed. And you're talking of, of people who are contemplating that they might end their own life, but also people who are, are left to tell the story after someone has taken their own life through suicide. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So healing hearts. 
That's what we okay. get to do. Yep. Wendy, would you share just a little bit of your story so that our listeners have a, a sense of where you're coming from, why you're passionate about this topic? Because I can tell you're on a mission. <laughs> you're out to make some changes in this world and to affect the way people think about this topic and about the way that they approach each other. So share a little bit of your story. Sure. If you would. So you've already um, shared just a little bit that, gosh, it's four years ago that Mm -hmm. I suffered a traumatic brain injury following a bicycle Mm. accident. And um, it was a mild traumatic brain injury, but Mm -hmm. left me with post-concussive symptoms that Uh, I still suffer with. And... um, and at the time, I worked as a, as a nurse manager mm-hmm. and, coincidentally, of a neurotrauma rehab unit. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I was unable to return to work. I, I tried returning to work, and I couldn't mm-hmm. read a computer screen. I couldn't uh, read. I, I, I yeah. you know, my balance and all of that was really t- um, difficult. Um. And at the time, it was devastating to leave my 20-year nursing career. But I knew that my new work was to write the story of my angel mom's death. Mm. When I was 12 years old, she took her life and wow. left me, the oldest of five children, and my, my four siblings, my dad behind. She was 31 years old at the time, and my wow. heart was shattered. My life was dramatically different. And, um, you know, I went into survival mode as did all of my siblings and we simply survived. Yeah. It's, it's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. As human beings, it's hard to wrap our mind around something that life altering, um, you experienced it. But it's still kind of hard to imagine that those things actually happen in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's devastating. Your life has changed forever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I know I have a lot of friends like you who have been touched by suicide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some, some folks are so traumatized that it really becomes nearly impossible for them to put one foot in front of the other and to move forward. And, and I would say that, you know, it's, it's like swimming through mud really. Mm. And, um, you know, trying to find any meaning in, in life. And, um, and yet we Mm. can surround that person who is struggling and we can build them up and buoy them up and, and help them get past those initial stages of shock and grief and, um, however long that takes, you know, mm-hmm. it's a journey of, of healing and of finding hope again. So in going through the journey yourself, I know that you, you talk about this in your book. There are some predictable reactions that we have when something like this happens. You know, I talk to my clients about this all the time. How are you supposed to feel when something like this happens? Well, you're supposed to feel exactly the way you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you feel like your heart is shattered into a million pieces, quite honestly, and that you will never be able to pick up those pieces and that nobody can pick them up for you. 
and um, you try to bargain with God, please, you know, I will be better. You know, I was 12, you know, I didn't really oh, have an awful yeah. lot of skills, but I remember that bargaining process. Please just bring her back, and I promise to be I'll do perfect. Anything. I'll do mm-hmm. anything. And of course, you know, the questions at the time is my mom in hell? Um, where is she? Oh. Is she gone forever? Will I ever see her again? All of mm-hmm. those really predictable things. And, yeah. um, you know, and then, and then I, um, you know, was ill-equipped to be able to even go through or even understand those stages of grief, but, but shock mm-hmm. and, um, and trauma were the things that, yeah. that I remember. And I've heard so many descriptions, whatever it is that, that you're feeling. And, and dear listeners, if any of you are dealing with this right now, whatever you're feeling is exactly what you're supposed to be feeling right now. You know, you, you might have people who say, oh, well, you should be over this by now, or that you're supposed to go through these stages in these particular orders. No. It's different for every person because every relationship is unique. So whatever you're feeling is exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. And I like to describe it this way too. You're going through a normal reaction to an abnormal event. And not abnormal in the sense that people never experience this. Obviously they do. But you haven't experienced it before. This is new for you. This is an abnormal event for you. And I think that that just helps to start to wrap your mind around Okay, so I'm not crazy, and it's not my fault. I mean, people go through the guilt and the anger and just whatever it is, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's no timeline for grief. Right. You know, it can, and you'll move in and out of grief. There will be, you know, important anniversaries and important, you know, um, reminders Mm -hmm. of the the loss. And it's really okay to honor that grief and be okay with wherever you are in that process. It may take years. It will certainly take months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and your life won't be the same. It will be different, but that's okay. I love love Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Olson's book. Um, Of course, I love his book, um, I Knew Their Hearts. But I I also love his book, Beyond and Jeff Mile beat Mile you to the punch. 88. He was on the show a while back. <laughs> I love Jeff Olson, and he's he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. But I love how he describes that shattered heart as he talks about, you know, he talks about his own loss of his right. wife and his son and um, that heart that shattered into a million pieces. But he likens that to the, the, um, the gentleman who makes the beautiful pottery, you know, and then shatters it. And so that he can put it all together with the beautiful mosaic that it creates. And, and I, I think that we have that opportunity, those of us who Mm. have suffered such great loss to be able to have a new heart and it's not the same heart, but it's a new heart, even, you know, made more perfect and beautiful. Which seems impossible right in the throes of everything, you know, because of the feelings. So that's why I'm, I'm thinking it's so important to acknowledge that whatever you feel is perfect for you. Absolutely. And it, it, that doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant. I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay, because it's not. Oh, typically. no. It's it, painful. It is gut-wrenching. It is painful. It's difficult. But those feelings, you know what? I have a colleague who made his entire career off of two words, 
feelings change. Yes, they do. And they do. And that doesn't mean that you're not honoring that person. In fact, sometimes the hardest thing is to give yourself permission to heal. Yep. And to move on. Yep. Have you found that as well? Yes. Um, you know, I um, was at a, at a family event a while ago mm-hmm. and memories were being shared and a lot of tears and a lot of pain. And I could respect where those members of my family were still grieving mm-hmm. pieces of that loss. And yet I didn't feel that same level of grief at, in that moment. And that right. was really okay. That is fine. Yep. Because you've got your own path. Yeah. Yeah. So as we, as we wrap up this first section today... I think the main message I'm getting is that there's hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, that's in your title. It's the biggest word on your cover. Hope after suicide. Yes. Even as life-altering and shattering, if we use Jeff's analogy there, as this experience can be, there is hope. There is hope. Hope for what? There's hope to heal a broken heart. Yeah. Hope for happiness. Hope for a joyful life that can continue with a new definition because as people come and go from our life, we have to redefine uh, our relationships and sometimes our day-to-day living depending on how close this person is to you that is now gone. Yep. Um, But there is hope. So I think that is the main message of this, this opening segment here today. Um, I don't know how how much practical advice we're going to get into on today's show. Let's just grab an idea before we move into the break. Where do people start with that? What would you say is the starting point to get this hope started? Healing after loss. Yeah. You start first by looking at the pain. It's really okay. And honoring that pain and recognizing it's molding you and it's changing you and it's really okay. Just like we talked about with whatever you're feeling is there to feel. Give yourself permission to feel it. It's okay. This is Wendy Parmley on Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Purpose Radio listeners, the fact that you're listening to this show probably means that you're a fan of personal development. Your personal development library should include copies of both of my books, Pathological Positivity and the pocket-sized companion, Portable Positivity. There's a .com for both titles so you can share these books with others. I also have a special offer just for listeners of the show. Go to drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R for Live On Purpose Radio. I'll send you signed copies of both for a special discounted rate. That's drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. 
please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com The secret of a happy life is to accept change gracefully. Jimmy Stewart So in the in my practice, I have these amazing opportunities to hear things and observe things and know things that I don't have any business knowing about people except that I'm in this chair and I get to talk to people about their life. And I've had many families, as I indicated earlier, where uh, suicide has touched their family. And sometimes... Um, they feel like they could have done something or they should have done something or if they would have done something, then this wouldn't have happened. And and just beat themselves up because they didn't do what they might have been able to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hindsight is is just a killer sometimes. Man, it just, it's like, oh, knowing what I know now, I should have done this. Well, we can't be responsible to know all of that, but you know of some things to watch out for. So I think we've got this little balance that we're trying to strike here on our conversation today as we share, because part of your message is how to save lives, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about that with the acknowledgement that we're not going to catch everything. We're not always going to see everything. If someone that we loves, love takes their own life. That's a choice that I think we, we shouldn't judge them too harshly about because as you said earlier, their brain is sick, right? Um, yep. They're doing a type of thinking that has them believing that somehow this is the best option. Now we don't have to agree with them on that, but we can have some compassion and empathy and forgiveness in our own heart to not judge them too harshly for one choice that they made. Well, and I think that we need to also acknowledge that when somebody is in excruciating pain, they want that pain to be gone. Right. You know, I, um, one thing that really helps me to not take on that guilt of, or, or to not judge somebody's action, um, is to remember the people jumping from the burning building on 9-11. They were trying to escape. They were trying to escape and and their fear of death and also that hot flame. Yeah. And and so I don't think we can ever judge. We can ever judge. And we can never assume that that person is making a choice with a rational brain. They're not. You know, in fact, Mm. 90% of people who take their lives by suicide, they... Um, they are suffering 
a, a mental illness, you know, a yeah. significant mental illness, whether that be depression or schizophrenia or bipolar, mm-hmm. 90% of them are, are suffering a mental illness. And I think that sure. that's where we can come in to help prevent that suicide death mm-hmm. is by recognizing some of those signs and symptoms that might lead to that person's death. But we yeah. can never judge and we, it's natural for us to feel guilty and to go through all of the what ifs, but, um, but understanding that, mm-hmm. that we can't see the whole picture, like you said. Well, I compare it sometimes with my clients to an iceberg. You can see an iceberg, at least the top part of it, but the bulk of that thing is, is below the surface. You can't see it. Yep. I can't remember which percentage, but it's a, a large percentage of that iceberg is under the surface. It's unseen. And that's the part that sinks the ship. Yep. It's not the part you can see. Yeah. It's that part down underneath. And so as, as people who love someone who has passed by their own hand, what, what can we assume about what was going on in their mind? Well, we can assume that we don't know everything. That's the first safe assumption. Yep. Yep. And not hold ourselves responsible to have seen or anticipated or been able to intervene because we didn't see it all. Now, after the fact, it's easy to go back, you know, in hindsight and say, well, if I would have known then what I know now, then I would have done. Well, you didn't. You didn't know then what you know now. Right. 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 So let's be very forgiving of ourselves, too. But with that disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, you've been able to identify some, some risk factors, some signs to look for when you speak and when you do interviews and you're asked to, to assist with this, this growing problem in our society, what is it that you're asking people to look for, to watch out for? I think any change in behavior that points to, um, a sick brain and, and, those people who are most at mm. risk for suicide include mm-hmm. those with mental illness. You know, we talked about bipolar or schizophrenia mm-hmm. or even drug and alcohol use, yes. you know, which we understand to be, you know, to be an illness. Sure. Um, and then there are also environmental factors that can increase suicide risk and and those might mm. be, you know, a really stressful life event. You've lost your job. You've... Um, moved, you know, kids Mm -hmm. who don't have friends because they moved, you know, from one location to another and become very depressed and and lethargic, or even in our teenagers, the breakup of a, you know, of a relationship, you know, one of those high Mm -hmm. school romances, those can lead people to really dark places. And the, the emotion that it's associated with uh, back in graduate school, as we were studying this particular topic, they said that hopelessness is the number one emotion that is predictive of suicidal behavior. Yeah. And um, and feeling like you're a burden to others. So somebody mm-hmm. who may have, um, you know, been struggling with a physical ailment, you know, mm-hmm. cancer or heart disease or, you know, really... Um, struggling, you know, with their health, they can also feel like they're a burden, but right. You know, so feeling like you're a burden, like there's no other options for you or your family and Mm -hmm. feeling like you would be doing, um, 
that you would be blessing your family yeah, by ending your favor, life. All right? of those things, yes. And and again, we don't have to agree with them. That, but, but remember, this is the brain that's trying to process an experience um, and not operating in a completely rational way. Right. And that's right. why... That's why it doesn't make sense to us, but it made perfect sense to them. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got those risk factors and where we can come into that picture is to identify them and to not be afraid to ask that person if they're thinking of taking their life. You know, and a, and a, but that's wait, a scary won't that thing. put the idea in their head? Yeah, I know we think that, don't we? No, it gives them freedom to talk about their own pain. Probably they've already thought about it. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I I love the story of a good friend of mine, Greg Hudnall, who is, Mm. um, who's the director of Hope for Utah, which is aimed at decreasing suicide in our teens, Mm -hmm. in our youth population. And he he shares a story of a 16-year-old girl who noticed that her friend was really, you know, flat affect, depressed, and struggling and she took her to lunch mm-hmm. and she began that conversation and it wasn't an easy one to have, but she said, you know, you're seeming more depressed. You're, you're not seeming happy. I'm really worried about you. Have you thought of taking your life? And that began a wow. conversation. Was it an easy answer for that, you know, second teen to share? Yes, I'm, I'm thinking about it. No, but that teen did open up and did say yes. And then the mm-hmm. first teen was able to say, well, can we go talk to the counselor here at school? I'm, I, I, can we get oh, some help? And encourage that person to get help. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, that's what that conversation does, as scary as it is. And if somebody says yes, you don't leave them alone. You make sure you call somebody and you get help and you encourage them to get help. And if nothing else, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline which um, I can share. It's You've got that with you? I do. Awesome. The number is 1-800-273-TALK. 273-TALK with which a 1-800. Which is 1-800-273-8255. Okay. And it's staffed by local um, crisis workers and, and counselors who can get you to the right place. We'll list that on our blog site too because... If you're not sure what to do, there's people who deal with this all the time who are able to do something. You know what I love about this story you shared, Wendy, is having that awkward conversation does an interesting thing from a psychological standpoint. It tells that person that you care. It tells that person that you are open to the conversation, which in their own mind is a taboo. They can't tell anybody about this. What would people think? Right? Yep. This yep. Psychologically, and it instills a little ray of hope. Yep. Like, oh, if we can talk about this, maybe we can do something to improve this situation. This is what's going on in the psychological back office. Yes. Okay. Yes. And now how you ask that question is important too. You don't want to say, well, you're not thinking of taking your life, are you? You know, because that implies judgment. That implies I'm not open to this. Right. Exactly. So it's really important. You know, uh, uh, you know, one easy way, somebody's lost their job or they're, you're seeing that they're struggling more at, 
and becoming more isolated at work or Mm -hmm. calling in sick more and becoming isolated to be able to, you know, um, talk with that individual and say, you know, sometimes when people lose their job, sometimes they think about taking their lives because they're so depressed. Has that happened to you? Have you ever had those thoughts? And that's a really non-judgmental way Mm -hmm. to approach something like that. I've asked the question a lot, but I'm a psychologist, okay? Right. So uh, if you're not trained to handle this question, it can feel a little daunting. But I love what you're suggesting here, Wendy, because we can actually talk to each other. I have a friend who's an undertaker, a mortician. (laughs) And he says, talking about death won't kill you. And neither will talking about suicide. Right. And what's the worst thing that could happen? They're going to say, yeah, I have thought about taking my life. Well, I'm glad that it's coming up in this conversation instead of coming up in a call later on from a distraught family member trying to share the news with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's have it come up in the conversation. What if they say, no, I haven't thought about that. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good news, folks. So there's no bad outcome to this conversation. Right, exactly. Especially if we are approaching that conversation with love and with openness and with compassion. Absolutely. Forgiveness. Yes. Um, Be prepared to forgive anyone for whatever thoughts they're having. Yes, exactly. Now, there's a novel idea. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, you're bringing some hope to Live On Purpose Radio today. As we we wrap up just in this last minute... um, you're providing some resources, obviously your book, uh, hope, hope is the biggest word on your cover. And I love that because hopelessness is the number one predictor of suicidal behavior. That's the big risk factor. That doesn't mean everyone who's feeling hopeless is going to try to take their own life. That's not what it means. But it does mean that that is the number one correlated emotion that is associated with risk for suicide. So I love that you're focusing your message on hope. And it says after suicide, but that's a big factor before too. Right. Before any attempt ever happens. So thank you for your good work. Folks, this is Hope After Suicide, One Woman's Journey from Darkness to Light. They can find this at Amazon. Yes. Um... But your website is a good place to connect here, yes, too. Yes, absolutely. So let's share that. Wendy Parmley, that's spelled W-E-N-D-Y-P-A-R-M-L-E-Y. There's a .com for that, wendyparmley.com. Yes, Wendy, yes. thank you so much for sharing your message here today at Live On Purpose Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's what my a, pleasure. What a powerful message. And folks, there is always hope. Please use the resources. Wendy gave the phone number, and uh, we've got the blog site that has that listed as well. So it's time. Go out there and live on purpose.